The future of business is responsible. El futuro de los negocios es reescribir el crecimiento de las empresas. Conscious commingling of growth and impact. Le futur du business est conscient et responsable. The future of business is intentional and transparent. The toekomst van bedrijven zal de combinatie van kennis Hi everyone, my name is Leia Macontrola and I'll be hosting the Future of Business podcast for today. Um, with my wonderful guest, Fola. Hi, Fola. Hi, Laya. Hi, everyone. Today, we'll be talking about the future of clean energy. Um, Fola, tell us about yourself real quick. <laughs> Once again, thank you for inviting me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm Fola, Fola Shadi Ayola. Um, I'm Nigerian, and I am a current MBA full-time student here. Oh, you're forgetting the other bit. <laughs> well, I moonlight, and please don't tell my advisor I said this, as a PhD student. I'm studying energy science and engineering. And Boom. Also <laughs> <laughs> Boom, how could you hide that? And also? <laughs> and also, um, uh, perhaps more interesting to listeners, um, I'm co-founder of Electric Fish Energy, we are an energy, uh, resilient energy specifically company. Uh, we build out battery integrated electric vehicle chargers, putting them out there, making it easy for anyone and everyone everywhere to charge their vehicle and to keep the lights on in all of our communities. Fantastic, fantastic. That sounds, you know, that's a lot of things to unpack, but I guess we'll unpack them as we go on. Um, so you're in Oxford, Saeed. The historic Saeed. Why why Oxford? Why are you here? Why did you leave Stanford, you know, to come do business at Oxford? <laughs> well, it's it's quite interesting. I mean, so I uh, co-founded uh, Electric Fish with my three incredible co-founders uh, in the summer of 2020. And along that journey, it, a very incredible journey, I must say, um, was learning that there's what it takes to build a startup, but then there's what it takes to grow the startup. And a lot of the nuance to doing this stuff, um, I, I was really, I've always been really interested in. I think a lot of my skills uh, as an engineer um, could be better utilized in the company. I can be of better value to the vision that we're building out, um, getting this knowledge. And also, probably most importantly, is Oxford has such an incredible, incredible international cohort. And solving Facts. the problem of energy is like such a global problem, right? There's, I mean, I've lived in the, I lived in the U.S. for five years before coming here. There's a big world outside of the U.S. And ultimately, we want to we wanna build out solutions and products for everyone everywhere. So, in summary, you came to Oxford to learn business so you can contribute to your team and to the world. That's, that's a very succinct way, nicer <laughs> way of putting it. Sorry, sorry, sorry for answering the question with you. You know, it's all about collaboration. Yes, I Okay, love so, it. I mean, that's a big move from, from the U.S. to the U.K. What's it, what's it been like moving from the U.S. to the U.K.? I'm not going to lie. Um, no I, need to lie here. No <laughs> need to lie. I am a tropical creature through and through. Um, Nigerian girl through and through. It's mm. been hard. It's been hard. The cold, I don't know that it's for me. Um, thankfully, the warmth of the people and the community oh. in the cohort uh, has kept it, you know, 
You're Even gonna more than bearable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of the people, it's, by the way. Of course, of course you are, Leia. But um, I think the again the community, just the intentionality behind um, making friends, building partnerships, collaborating, getting to really know people has been an amazing experience. Now I feel like. I could go to almost any country in the world and I'll probably have at least one friend there. At least someone to ask where, you know, the good places to go eat are, which is good. Honestly, that's that's something really good about this place. Um, it's the diversity and you just being or learning to um, cohabit and be friends with people from all around the world. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Electric Fish, that's such an interesting name. Um, <laughs> Just shout out to Anurag. <laughs> just, just makes me think about a fish that could like shock you. That was the idea. <laughs> so, why electric fish? And is this what you envision you'll be doing at this stage of your life? Gosh, man, uh, that's a loaded question. Um, definitely not. I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, but I definitely didn't see myself as uh, ending up being one. In fact, quite the opposite. I thought I would suck at it and you should just focus on my engineering career. Um, but of course, as uh, life happens, as they say, um, in the summer of 2020, I, having gone through this journey of being an engineer, getting into academia, doing research in energy, but especially clean energy, um, how do you facilitate uh, energy transitions in a way that's equitable? Um, that was the crux, at the crux of my research. And I was focusing on Sub-Saharan Africa, done work in California. And I thought to myself, gosh, half the time people are talking about like financing and business and whatever. And I have no idea what they're talking about. I want to do a program to kind of help me speak the language better. And therein, I met this incredible person called Anurag, who is now my co-founder. He's the CEO of Electric Fish. And he pitched this um, fantastic idea of building out um, electric vehicle fast chargers with batteries in such a way that they don't overburden dis the distribution system. And I remember he was going on about voltages and da da da, and I'm like, listen, I didn't like electrical engineering that much when I took that class, okay? But you might be onto something, because in my work, which is very interdisciplinary, I've had to do a lot of policy analysis and, and to some extent policy design, um, but also techno-economic analysis and building out models that, that uh, uh, operate distributed energy resources. And I thought to myself, this is not, at the time at least, not anything we're seeing on the market. And there's a ton of people who aren't necessarily considered early adopters, but are being left behind in um, the way that we're currently deploying things, people who don't have don't don't own their own homes, don't have access to workplace charging, people who are going to be disproportionately impacted if everyone charges their car at home and electricity becomes super expensive um, because of that. And so it was a no-brainer. And I think to answer your question of why electric fish, the most important part to that answer would be it was the right people. I think it's very important to find the right partners um, I think building a startup is kind of like getting married in some way. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> and I, I think I found the right partners in that. Um, you know, you're, you're going to talk to them a lot 
um, in the middle of the night, first thing in the morning, on the weekends. Um, it was great that we were able to find that balance. We balance each other out reading nicely in terms of skills, experience, but also in terms of personality, which is amazing. Very important. You don't want your life partner to be pissing you off all the time. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way, on the $1.69 million grant from the California Energy Commission. Woo-woo! I cannot take credit for it. Shout out to the team, to Vince, to Nelio, to Ashleen, and Abhishek, Anurag, all, all of you are amazing. This, this one's for the team. That's really huge. Um, tell me about this grant, the RAMP grant, and um, what will the money be used for? It's it's an amazing uh, grant from the CEC, like you said, and it's a matching grant, actually. Um, we're going to be able to build out our manufacturing capacity um, in Oakland, which we're very proud of. We're excited to get more units, start producing um, and getting these units out there operating in the communities um, that, that they're needed in. Let's take a few steps back. Um, electric fish, you know, you said a lot of big words. Um, <laughs> can you explain this to a baby, please? A, a five-year-old? Of course. Yes. Of course. So, five-year-old, you know how... Google, um, no Google Gagas. <laughs> Yes, in this world where we want to accomplish um, decarbonization, we need to not use we need to not use gas cars or um, gasoline powered cars, right? We want to go electric, and hopefully, the electricity is cleaner. And there's a lot of work going on in that space to build more renewables and such. But at the same time, we need uh, chargers to be able to charge these cars. Um, for those who are fortunate enough, they can put a solar panel on their roofs and own EV charging systems at home. But uh, at the same time, there's people who are not going to be able to do that. Perhaps they live in multi-unit uh, apartment complexes. Um, and for younger generations like ours, it's becoming harder and harder to own homes. Cost of living crisis. <laughs> Or even for those who do, you know, it's it's going to be hard to charge your car on the road. And when we initially started, we interviewed a lot of people who own Teslas. And they all, all of them had at least one gas car at home. And they would go skiing in Tahoe on weekends and they always drove their gas car. Um, so that we found extremely interesting. Um, and another thing is in the world where we put these chargers out there, especially when they're supposed to be fast, right? Because there's the money um, constraints part of things, but there's also time constraint. Um, trickle charging takes too long, especially if you're in the middle of your day. But if you're doing fast charging, it's going to be drawing power so quickly from you know your distribution system. Our transformers were not built to deploy or supply that kind of power so quickly. And so what we are building is building these fast chargers but reducing the load that they put on the grid. So we have the batteries in them as a buffer. So we can sort of pull power from the grid at a normal rate that's not going to be a problem, that will not require replacing transformers, charge up the battery, and then dispense it really quickly to cars that come along. Um, we're a plug-and-play solution, so we can deploy really quickly, just drop it out there, interconnect, and you're good to go. And beyond that, we're actually able to push power back to the system when it's needed. 
So in times of, say, blackouts, which unfortunately are becoming more and more frequent with cli uh, climate e events, um, in times of, say, uh, liability issues or, say, in hours where uh, the electricity on the wholesale system is just so much more expensive, um, which also happens to coincide with when natural gas gets ramped up because the sun's gone down and all the solar is out of the system. So that's where we come in, we fit in. We're this building out beyond individual charging systems, a network of them so we can start to kind of manage and operate these assets in a way that we can provide reliability and cleaner energy to communities. Wonderful. So you're, you're basically trying to... Um commercialize or take electric vehicle charging mainstream and and make and ensure that the charging is super fast um cancel trickle charging and you also want to be able to send power back to the grid yes power back to the grid and you could think of just the use cases for this even big businesses that have uh, a lot of cars, you can think of corporates, perhaps they have fleets of vehicles, fleets of buses. They they also want to electrify, right? But a lot of them also have huge electricity loads in their main buildings. Um, they also f benefit tremendously from this technology. They can use our chargers to manage their fleets and the battery to support the power that goes to the building to make sure that they're paying overall less on their electricity bill. Okay, um, so I feel like it's important to ask the question, you know, why clean energy? Um, diesel works, petrol works, so, you know, why, why, what's the fuss? What's all the fuss about? Let's talk clean energy, you know, convince us. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't realize I was going to need to do a lot of convincing, but no, um, we can think of, of, we've been learning a lot of market failures in class recently. Oh, yes, yes. As you may not have been listening. <laughs> Externalities and such. Um, we're not accounting for the fact that a lot of our world, and we've industrialized so much, humankind has accomplished so much, but we are uh, emitting uh, gases. We're burning things, sending CO2. The earth is getting warmer. It's causing a lot of, a lot of damage. Not to, as to much in Oxford, though, but... <laughs> It's yes. like it's like negative three today. It's it's cold. <laughs> exactly. But uh, really though, the damage it's not evenly spread. It's not evenly distributed. It's causing extremes, and those extremes Agreed. sometimes play out in certain parts at certain times as colder weather. Hmm. Um, but the damage is it's affecting real people, real lives. You can think flooding. Uh, the wildfires are becoming more and more frequent drought um, that's affecting our food supply. Um, and you can think of the sort of um, downstream impact of these things when you start to think of na national security. Look at Boko Haram and such, right? Let's not get into that. Of course not. <laughs> so there, there's real life cost to this that we're not paying for when we're paying for the goods and services that we consume, which is why we need to start thinking about um, why, wh how can we make this entire system cleaner? How can we do it? Carbon tax. Yeah, we we can talk about carbon taxes. I mean, it's it's perhaps the most efficient, but. Another approach is just on the supply side, because our entire economy is powered by energy, right? You use 
you burn some fuel or use some fuel to generate some energy that you used to make things um and we all consume the things to keep us going including food and mm -hmm. we provide services that's how our economy keeps going so it, it's all in a bit to either use cleaner fuels like the sun or find a way to remove the harmful greenhouse gases that are emitted in the fuels that we're currently consuming and perhaps that's carbon capture or go beyond that to actually take out the co2 that's warming our planet out of the air and then we can start talking about direct air capture technologies but just to say it's the whole fuss is we want to we want to leave a planet that's inhabitable but also we want to make sure that those of us that are here now are safe very important because <laughs> there will be nothing to leave you know if we all die um yeah i think that's very noble um i think that it's very important it's critical um for the survival of humankind you know maybe in the next 50 200 years it's 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 very key even in the now in the now oh really yeah okay monsoons you can think coastal flooding like i said well even the fires in california right yeah exactly it's getting hotter every summer there's real life impacts people are losing their houses um, a lot of the islands in the Caribbean are very, very worried with the sea level rises. Yeah, it's 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 definitely, which is why we need all hands on deck. Mm. So, I mean, from from where I sit, um, I, I, I think that fossil fuels um, are still, you know, the go to um, source of energy globally, um, of course most cars are still either diesel cars um, petrol cars most industries run on coal and some other form of um, energy that probably causes pollution a lot of carbon emissions um, how soon do you think that clean energy um, will become mainstream in the global economy and viable as a business of course i i think it's already happening right <laughs> i see your face <laughs> i <laughs> mean where, like i said from where i sit so first I, i'd like to make a distinction right clean um what matters is low carbon is it low carbon is it zero carbon so that could be renewable um a lot of places have been using and are ramping up their so be it solar um, generation and wind or such, but even hydro, right? Remember when Nigeria, the ma majority of our generation came from hydro, from Kenji. Um, also, there's geothermal energy, but what is optimal will look very different from country to country, region to region, state to state. What's best for California is not going to be what's best for New York. What's best for the UK definitely isn't necessarily best for France or Germany. Um, and so we're going to start to see this shift. I think nuclear is going to need to make a resurgence. Um, and now there's so many strides being made in nuclear fusion as well, which is very interesting. I'm always scared when I hear nuclear, you know, <laughs> just side, side note. I mean, look at what happened, right, with the uh, hiccup to gas supply chain. A lot of coal came back online. We haven't talked about, I mean, Unfortunately, one big nuclear disaster 
um, could have significant impacts. Um, but at the same time, there's so much more damage that we're not accounting for that fuels like coal have done from pollution to you know health impacts, think asthma. Um, these are significant. We're just not accounting for it. And so I'd say, I'd argue that that's potentially more dangerous. Um, so we need to figure out what is the best suite of options that we can use, not sometime into the far future, but that we have right now that we can deploy to get our planet as clean as possible, but also make sure that we're uh, keeping energy prices affordable to make sure that the system is equitable, that people are not disproportionately bearing the burden. Because at the end of the day, and this is not to say that humans are ultimately superior in some way, species on earth, I don't know. But at the, what, what we really want to optimize for is our welfare, right? And for sure, at the end of the day, our jobs matter, our health matters, our well-being matters, the climate matters, that we can't afford to eat and live lives, our lives, that also matters. Very important. I caught something you said about it's not about um, no carbon. It's about low carbon. No, I said it's not about renewable. It's about the low carbon. Okay, so so what's high carbon and what's low carbon? Also, because for me, um, you know, I'm I'm a layman in the energy industry. For me, I would have thought that you know the only clean energy would be electric. But what you're telling me now is. It could be across different sources, but you just have to keep the carbon emission low. Can you school me a little bit more about that? <laughs> I'll try to avoid getting into into details on like yes, life please. cycle. Yes, analysis, please. But Don't go too deep. <laughs> you mentioned electricity, but when you think about it, that electricity is coming from somewhere, right? There's Fox. ultimately some primary source. Um, if it's coming from renewables, um, like the sun, for instance, if we forget about like the energy that's used to produce the panels or whatever you could think every single kilowatt hour of energy that you're getting from it is from some abundance and inexhaustible and i say that we air quotes um sun or solar energy but on the flip side uh, a lot of the electricity we currently consume comes from you know fossil fuels, fossil fuels. mostly natural gas hmm. in most cases um and then for, for in the case of natural gas, you're burning a hydrocarbon, and in the uh, process of burning it to run turbines and generate your electricity, you're CO2, which is harmful. And so when we think of, the, and I want to use a phrase, the carbon intensity of the energy we're consuming, that's where we start to compare, you know, whether something's low carbon or high carbon intensive. Um, it's the amount of CO2 that is being produced per unit energy you're consuming. And so for things like you mentioned the fact that, yes, we're still consuming a lot of fossil fuels and it's going to be perhaps relatively easier to move to cleaner, you know, light duty transportation. If a world where all the chargers are easily accessible, we all batteries are cheap. We all get uh, our uh, <laughs> we all buy electric vehicles. Um, it's still going to be hard to decarbonize ships and trains and, and planes. Airplanes. Exactly. It's going to be hard to decarbonize these large point sources, right? To cement industry, all of the plastics that we consume, where did those come from? Um, yeah. So these are 
really big things where we start to think about things like carbon capture. Perhaps do we want to take out the carbon that's being produced in this? Um, and some there are some folks and perhaps sequester it underground um, in a safe uh, reservoirs underneath there, have it dissolve in underground water. That's not the groundwater that we drink, so it's deep enough. Wow, sounds yeah. complex. <laughs> These are some options. And I'm trusting you. You would, you would help us find a solution. And there's a, a, all hands on deck. There's tons of brilliant people doing hard work in this space. And I like I, I was saying... I want to join. I was saying to you I earlier... Want to help the, <laughs> I want to help the earth. We're all, we're all in the climate ecosystem, whether or not we realize it, because the climate tech space, it's, it's not this new industry. It's just a new way of redoing, rethinking, redesigning our entire global economy, the, our human system and society. Wow. And so in whatever you're doing, be it finance, all of those skills transfer, right? As long as it's going towards reducing the carbon intensity of whatever or making the earth cleaner, then you're doing work in climate. Which leads to my next question, you know, how do I get involved? So let's assume I just, you know, I just listen to you speak and I'm so inspired. I'm in <laughs> high school. I want to get into clean energy. You know, what shall I study? Or I'm in the MBA. I'm in Oxford. You know, and I'm one of the explorers. And I'm like, you know what? I want to join Fallout on this quest. <laughs> you know, what are the required skills? What are the degrees? Right now, what are the companies that you should like join? How can we join you in this noble quest to save the world? <laughs> if you're if you're at Oxford, I'd say there's a ton of resources you can leverage, right? And let's let's talk. Let's talk off of. <laughs> Come on, like people are but listening. No, really though, um, I, I think there's so many resources out there. And like uh, you rightly said, the first step is knowing that you want to do this and knowing yourself, recognizing- Are there what, any energy degrees, um, clean energy degrees? There are, of course, clean energy degrees. You could decide you want to go down that path, uh, the path of the STEM path and building and learning and doing the research and learning to build these new technologies or deploy them. But at the same time, um, we can all we can build and deploy as much as we want um, or or design rather. But at the end of the day, we have to make take those products, um, the science, the engineering to the average person and make you work for them. We have to have the solutions, meet people where they are. And that requires every single part of the value chain so we're going to need those economists those of you in finance i'm looking at you we need money 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 <laughs> it's all about the money 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 we need the marketing people to come back to us engineers and say listen the people who are using this are not like you like you need to design it to make it accessible so it's if it's not accessible it's not useful if it's not useful it's not making any impact we need folks to build the models we need folks to help with the advertising think anything wherever you are in the ecosystem you can be doing your part like i said it just has to apply towards solving a climate problem there's a ton of podcasts out there newsletters you can sign up to and the most important thing is community reach out to any member of your community don't hesitate to ask there's no such thing as a dumb question all questions are welcome it's such a collaborative space is what i found and i'm so thankful for that 
awesome. Where do I sign? I'm signing up right now. <laughs> Joining the crusade. Absolutely, absolutely. We'd love to have all of you. Let's let's draft everyone. It's been really awesome having you on the show. It's um, been my absolute pleasure. So um, I would like to find out what are your predictions because you know you're having the space. You're one of the um, the the leaders of the space, if yeah, I might say so myself. Praise. Yeah, for sure. Like. You are championing new technology. You are contributing to the evolution of the space. In 10 years, you know, you, people would look back and be like, oh, this was one of the scientists and business leaders. Yikes. Okay, okay. <laughs> so so Hopefully, definitely. fingers crossed. Your, your predictions carry weight. So what do you see or how do you think the clean energy space and, of course, the world will look like when it comes to energy consumption in the next five to ten years thank you for that great question i think there's a lot at first a lot of movement has been happening um there is a lot more embracing of the interdisciplinarity that's required to solve these kinds of problems specifically within the science and engineering community right it's it goes beyond just building and research for the sake of it but especially to thinking about the policy and the people, how does it interact with human systems, bringing in folks from law, from the, uh, I guess, social sciences and humanities as well. So I think there is, on, on the academic side of things, a lot more in a disciplinary research um, and testing coming out, which is very exciting. I think there's going to be, like I said, a lot more R&D dollars going towards nuclear, thankfully, because I know there's a ton of folks that have been pushing for that recently. Um, I think there is going to be a broader conversation, a shift from a push for renewables to a push for lower carbon, because what is optimal um, to accomplish the carbonization goals will look very different from place to place. Um, I think there is going to be a huge blow up. I think some of the biggest unicorns we're gonna see out to the over the next few years will be more climate space, climate tech companies, um, and that will keep generating more excitement in this space. Um, hard, I think uh, there's gonna be a shift back towards um, hardware in in that space, especially sort of hard tech and development and jobs and opportunities in that space. Um, but most especially, I think um, on an individual level, I think it will become more common to have these conversations and to internalize um, where each person is and their role in climate. And that would impact how we make our consumption uh, decisions. Of course, it will take time and trickle down, but I'm very excited for what that's going to look like, especially in, in Africa and, and Nigeria, because I have to bring it back home. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, fun fact, we're both from Nigeria and we're both going back home. Um, maybe maybe <laughs> one earlier than the other, but yes, we'll be back home soon. Bringing the clean energy um, Absolutely. to Lagos and every other part of Nigeria. So um, thank you very much, Fola. Um, it's such a pleasure. For, for being on the Future of Business podcast. Um, just before we close, um, tell me something. Tell everyone something very interesting about you that no one knows. Oh boy, this year. Oh, you, you <laughs> yes, I had to throw spot. it. I had to throw that in oh, there. Oh man, you just put me on the spot. Oh wow. Okay, something interesting no one knows. Well, that most of us don't know. 
I love dancing. Like, it's crazy. It's like my therapy in some way. Um, I'm, I'm putting on the music on immediately after the show. <laughs> <laughs> my workout is like going dancing for hours in five inch heels. Um, it's I find it very therapeutic. But yeah, that's awesome, awesome. Thank you very much once again, Fola. I hope to speak to you again soon. Um, if not on the show, <laughs> that's on some other show. And I'm I'm sure that everyone will will have a fantastic time learning and you know being educated from your wealth of wisdom thanks everyone thanks for listening bye bye